Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. All right, here we go. Some- Welcome back to the Routes of the Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Friday morning. It is June 9th. That means it's the ninth day of the sixth month of the year, which is pretty nice. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me on this lovely morning is Joseph Nardone. Joe, how's your day going so far? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so I, I won't say what I complained about, but before the show began, I, I spent the whole five minutes complaining about my morning. Um, let me ask you a question, though. You said, like, on the ninth day of the sixth month. So it's the year 2017. Is that 2017 years after the, after the death of the world's most famous carpenter? Or 2018 years? Is that what you're asking? Are we counting year zero as a year? Is that yeah, well, that, well, your question? I, well, you know how, like, there's B.C., before the death of the world's most famous carpenter. But, like, the, when he was born, is there, like, that 30-some-year gap of... While uh, while alive, and then it goes after death? Or do we count as after death from the moment he was born? I don't know, because we say A.D., so I'm going to guess it's after he was born, and those 33 years are just, you know, I don't know. Count it in? Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, is, is there a 0 to 34? I think he was 34 when he died. I'm not sure. Whatever. 33. 33 while alive years we just happen to never talk about? Like, there's never, like, 3 while W.A., while alive. While alive, right. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Uh, I've never even really thought about it, but uh, I'm glad we're starting our show off talking about... Well, I'm trying about... to be politically correct by calling the world's most famous carpenter, because he's not everybody's, you know, favorite guy. <laughs> but he, was, he, is, he is the world's most famous carpenter. I don't think anybody can argue with that. It's not like we skip around people's names that not everybody agrees is a good or bad or whatever. I mean, he still is... We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're not saying the Lord here, because I mean... No, I understand that, but, like, I was talking about him in terms of after death, before death, after Christ, before... You know what I mean? So, like, I was just, you know, he is the world's most famous carpenter. I do think that is factual. I don't think I was inaccurate in my take, in my descriptor of... It's not not a take, it's a fact. That's okay. Yeah, thank you. All right. Coming from a non-practicing Christian to to a Jewish man. Correct. We, uh, we, like, we like to have fun on the show. That, that was a good way to start the day. That's indicative of how Joe's morning is going, but we're about to make it a lot better. There's I, also coffee beans all over inside my coffee. I don't know what the, what's wrong with my coffee filter. You, like, grind up beans? What no, they're like the, the coffee no, grounds or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, it went through the filter, and now my coffee's a debacle. I, just, I need to go back to bed and start my day over. Yeah, do that. All right, I guess I'm going to do the show solo today. Everybody say goodbye to Joe. Follow him on Twitter at Joe. N-A-R-D-O-N-E. I spelled it right. All right, we, we got a bunch to get to today. It's Friday. Today might be the last day of the NBA basketball season. I don't know. It sure seems that way. So I guess that, that's a good way to start the show, Joe. Why don't we talk about the NBA Finals? The Warriors just sucked the life out of the Cavs in Game 3 by coming back down the stretch in that game. They outscored Cleveland by 10 points in the fourth quarter. I think it was something like a an 11-point swing or something in the last two minutes of the game. Cavs go their final six possessions without scoring a basket in this game. Joe, is is the story, I mean, LeBron's being torn to pieces. Is the story here that the Cavs lost game three or that the Warriors won it? Um, LeBron, while he was on the floor, it was a plus five. 
So they still managed to lose by what? Seven? What did they lose by? Three. They lost three. by three. Three. So I'm sorry. I made it even worse. So they were a plus five. five. Come up. I lied. It was five. They lost by All five. All right. So that's a, that's a ten-point swing. So, I mean, I don't think he could really blame LeBron. Like, the, the narrative stuff, it's all garbage. We went from, like, a week ago saying he's Michael Jordan to now saying, like, Paul Pierce, Hyper Bowl champion all of a sudden, saying Kevin Durant's now the best player in the NBA. So... I don't want to jump right into that because of the discussion, but I want to debunk that one real quick. Kevin Durant's playing with three guys that really makes his job a lot easier. There was a point in uh, in the last game where Kevin Durant was driving to the basket and defenders ran away from him to guard the three-point line. I mean, that makes life pretty easy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, he, he, in fairness to Kevin Durant, and I mean... I'm not knocking Kevin Durant, but he's not better than yeah. LeBron James. Not yet, Either way. Either way, I mean, he definitely took over that game. He went 4-6 in the fourth quarter. He hit the, obviously, go-ahead three, which was incredibly clutch in LeBron's face. I mean, I don't want to do anything to take anything away from Kevin Durant. I guess really what I want to know is, does LeBron deserve to be torn to pieces? Which I know the answer to, but should he be slighted in any way for not being more aggressive the final possessions of this game? Where, you know, the, the Cavs get the ball back down one or no, the, the Cavs get the ball back, they're still up, he drives and he kicks it to Kyle Korver instead of taking the shot, and then they're down one, and Kyrie Irving gets the ball and dribbles the life out of it <laughs> instead of going for a two-for-one and gets up a terrible shot instead. I mean, is, is it on LeBron that he's not taking these shots the way, you know, I guess first take and the like have been killing him these last couple days? No, well, see, that whole sequence actually makes sense logically. Kyle Korver is literally brought there to take that shot. That's the best shot he has in his arsenal. LeBron James has actually always been that player to make the best play, basketball play he thought. I understand people want quote unquote killer instinct, but he made the right he made the right basketball play. And Kyle Korver generally makes that shot. Do you know what I mean? So like that's like he's that's exactly what he's been brought in to do. Even the Kyrie dribbling the life out of the ball, taking that shot, that's kind of close to what he would, he did in Game Seven last year. I kind of and he he was also poking earlier in the game. Big time. And so, like, I totally get all of it. I do. Now, it's only hindsight we're saying, what? Well, why didn't LeBron go to the go to the rim and finish? If Kyle Korver made that shot, the game's over. So, like, yeah, I get. I, I totally get it. We're just playing the results here. And I just don't like this whole, like, I, I do get the fact that, like, LeBron's on such a, like, he's no longer being compared to his peers. He's being compared to, like, ghosts the ghost of Michael Jordan, the ghost of whoever else. Do you know what I mean? I get that. But to act like what he did was not, like, was was some kind of, like, morality trait negative or he failed. He didn't fail. He did the right thing. Yeah, sure. And I mean, and I get, I, oh, I'm sorry. And I, I get not liking that he didn't go to I do get it. Like, I, I totally get it. Like, best player on the planet. Nobody can really stop him when he goes to the rim. Just go to the rim and finish. I get it. But that's never who he's been, ever. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's kind of always been the knock, is that he should be that guy more, especially looking at the situation and knowing that Draymond Green's in foul trouble and knowing that he could take Kevin Durant to the basket, even if, you know, KD makes him uncomfortable with his lane. I understand, I guess, you know, some kind of criticism. I don't understand killing the guy for it. You know, I agree with you big time that kicking that ball out to Kyle Korver is the right play to make. Kyle Korver, obviously, open in the corner for a three is, is something that you would be happy with, you know, with the process of getting as a shot in a big situation, it's unfortunate it didn't go in. Again, though, I, I agree with you that 
we're playing the result here and we're looking at something going wrong for Cleveland and saying, well, why didn't LeBron just fix it? We saw Kevin Durant fix it for Golden State. LeBron should have done the same for Cleveland because he's the best. And if he doesn't do it, it means he isn't the best. I, I agree with you. I think it's ridiculous. And I mean, it's not unpopular opinion, especially not coming from us, that we think it's ridiculous to, to kill LeBron in these situations. Just this, this was their biggest shot at winning a game. They had the lead late in the game. I don't know that it's necessarily because LeBron was forcing any kind of offense. Kyrie, again, was just super effective in, in the second half of that game. Just Cle- Cleveland needed the basket badly, and they weren't getting it. And in those situations, that's where I can kind of understand looking at LeBron and saying, we need you here. No, I, I do get it. But, I mean, we're always constantly asking more from LeBron. And, I mean, right. he's pretty much giving us everyday greatness. So, like, we could keep saying, like, we're just we're just going to always find that one thing. And I understand it was, like, at the end of the game, so it amplifies it. But, I mean, like, we're really asking for a lot. And I think it's almost unrealistic what we're asking for. I do. I think he's perfect, he's perfect, he's perfect, he's perfect. He makes the right basketball play. The shot just doesn't happen to go in. So now he sucks. I don't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, don't, I don't know how else to explain it other than that, like, he's legit great. This whole time, he still makes the right basketball play. It just so happened it doesn't work out because Kyle Corbett just so happened to miss the three. So now, all of a sudden, he's no killer instinct guy. He sucks, blah, blah, blah. Even though we have, like, that when when his first Cleveland run, when he didn't have any teammates, and they played the Detroit Pistons, and he willed them over them. And that was LeBron as a killer. But, like, we, we just ignore all those other stuff. And we'll be like, yep, passing the ball, Kyle Corbett. He sucks. And we've seen him do it recently, too. I mean, they, they get in the playoffs and they, they get down to whether it's the Pacers or the Celtics, you know, a few years ago when he was the, with the Heat. Even last year, they, they were tied with Toronto at two games apiece in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you get to a point where it's like, all right, LeBron's just going to take over. And he does it because he is that guy. He does have that killer instinct. He's, for 14 years, been putting teams on his back and carrying them. I mean, he had 27 points in the first half of this game. And we're saying he didn't do enough. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious where you and I stand on the stop giving LeBron so much crap and making him responsible for everything, you know, poll. I mean, and this is another game. Kevin Love does what? Kevin Love scores nine points in this game, and it's, it's LeBron's fault that he doesn't take over down the stretch. No matter what happens, just this is superstar culture, and if a team wins or loses, regardless of why they win or lose, the superstar is either going to get credited or get, you know, crapped on. And unfortunately, that that's just... It's been happening in LeBron for so long, and it sucks, and I wish it stopped happening now that he, he won his championship with Cleveland last year, but it'll never stop because this is what we live to do as, as sports fans. We live to just sit there all day, 24 hours a day, needing something to talk about. Hyperanalyze. Right, with only two teams in there, and LeBron being one of them, we're either going to talk about LeBron sucking or Steph Curry sucking, even though both guys have had... Well, is Kyrie still better than Steph? Is that narrative still going on? Is Kyrie Irving still better than Steph? Is that now done, too? I'm sure it's still alive and well in some circles and ridiculous. Can, can we just point out the very obvious here that Golden State's roster is just ridiculously great? Like, all-timey great. So, like, Cleveland getting swept if they get swept on tonight, it's not really that shocking that even LeBron James couldn't overcome four probable future Hall of Famers. Yeah, and I mean, you look at these games, too. Game one and two, obviously... Golden State won by by large margins, but they were games in the second half. Even I mean, it's not like it's not like Cleveland's came out and just laid down. Just Golden State. The longer these games go, the the more evident it is that Golden State is far superior to them. 
no one can hang with them. Just nobody can hang with them. And Cleveland is the latest team that we're finding out we thought was really good, but just not anywhere near as good as Golden State. Correct. I'm 100%. I think we're both on, on the same page. I think we'd actually be repeating ourselves at this point. I agree with you big time. With that said, I mean, is there anything that the Cavs can do <laughs> within the realm of reality moving forward? I mean, look, they're down three games to nothing. It, it looks like this series is over. Obviously, after last year, you know, you don't want to say, congratulations, the Warriors are champions before they actually win a fourth game. But moving forward, the next couple of years, is there anything the Cavs can realistically do to get by the Warriors? Um, realistically. I mean, we no, not not, 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 like, not realistically. I know we're going to get into one question on the AMAs later, so I don't want to jump into that. But, like, realistically, no. I mean, they could try to trade Kyrie and Kevin Love to see what they could get back if they think those pieces aren't, like, those key pieces aren't working. But however they build their roster, it's just, you're just not going to be able to get enough. Like, they're not going to have a fourth superstar be able to join the team. Yeah, I don't see how it's possible. And while we're talking about fourth superstars in the Cavs, I gave you a whole lot of crap for not acknowledging Tristan Thompson last week, and he has been a ghost in the series, so... Shout out to me for being a blowhard. <laughs> that, that, that's not your like, listen. Your points last week were actually accurate. It's just that he he's uh he's been god awful. Yeah, he, there's I, no other way to put it. There's really no other way to put it because he's not this bad of a player. I don't know what is happening here. Yeah, and I mean the Warriors also just have a way of neutralizing big guys, especially when they play the death lineup. Who I think you know their their net rating in this series has been like plus seventy and a half. Or something. <laughs> and that's just. Insane. Right. All you, all you can do is laugh. All you can do is laugh and be like, well, no one's going to be able to keep up with these guys ever. I mean, again, Joe, all season we've been saying this team has two top three players in the league right now, and the other two guys are feasibly top ten players. So, yeah. it's, so like, they're it's good. Right? Yeah, they're, they're pretty they're, good. They're good. And also, you know, you look at the Cavs and their roster construct, and yeah, they have LeBron, who's arguably still the best player in the NBA and one of the best players in NBA history, but... Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving are really good, but they're not as good as these other guys that are on the Warriors. And they're not they're not players who, if you put on another team by themselves, you know, without a LeBron James, they wouldn't be competing for a championship. So I don't know that you could say all these guys are on, you know, the same level or, you know, start going down the, the list and comparing the Cavs' second and third best players to the Warriors' second and third and fourth best players. They would need major, major construction to their roster to be able to compete with the Warriors moving forward. And I just don't think it's realistic to think, you know, a Paul George or any of these other big-name guys that might be available are just going to wind up in Cleveland. I mean, the the interesting question that, that's been coming up and that people love to talk about because we haven't given up on this idea that LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul are all going to play together someday is, can the Banana Boat team wind up getting together and beating the Warriors? Joe, <laughs> do you think there's any shot if those guys were to play together and they could take this, this Warriors team down? There, now, listen, first of all, from a narrative point of view, I want to see it happen so badly. I do, because I think that'd be fun. I also think, like, some of these guys are kind of run past where the Banana Boat crew would be at their peak, obviously. Yeah. But um, I, I I, don't think, I, I, like, on the surface, I'm going to say no. Like, the answer's no. I also think, like, the rest of the roster around those four guys would probably be atrocious. <laughs> like, probably yeah. be really, really bad. Like, the great thing about Golden State has been that they had Curry under that such favorable deal for so many years, and they kept finding guys. And either that's them developing an Ian Clark or a JaVale McGee or fitting them into a role or a Sean Livingston or, um, like, you just keep going on of guys that just seem to matter in that system. 
a lot of that is luck too. You know what I mean? And I just don't see that happening again, even with the banana boat crew, whether that's West or East banana boat. Right. I mean, James, James Jones will probably be on the team and, uh, I don't know. It'll be a bunch of heat leftovers. Right. Right. It's going to be whoever's going to want to ride with LeBron and try to win a championship. But I don't even think that that's David uh, West would make his way over there. <laughs> I, King, I don't know if David West King is ring chaser. Yeah, yeah, big time. I, but still, I, I don't think that team would be able to compete with Golden State. And, I mean, they're, they're not quick enough. I don't know that Carmelo is better than Kevin Love. And I think that that's kind of the, the big thing that might unravel from this. Because I can't see Chris Paul going to Cleveland or going to play with LeBron. If those guys are going to play together, it's because LeBron's going to leave Cleveland, which, you know, as you mentioned, we'll, we'll get to in the AMAs in a little bit. But I, I don't think that team has a shot. I don't think Dwayne Wade is half the player he was even three years ago. No, you're right. You're right. LeBron would be shortening his window by <laughs> joining the banana boat crew as opposed to writing this out. With, he'd be in a worse situation, I actually think. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I love Chris Paul. I, I still think he's a top 10 player. So do I. Yeah, I think he's probably better than Kyrie Irving. At no, he's a lot time. better than Kyrie Irving. The problem is he's also getting older. And he's still not really a guy who it's like, all right, we're down. We need you to carry an offense and get us a lot of buckets right now. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs this year. Even though Utah is a very good defensive team, Chris Paul's not a guy who's going to come out and get you 40 points and finish every drive to the basket over six defenders the way we've seen Kyrie Irving do in this series. I mean, it's one of these things that Kyrie can really do is just score and score with fervor and be unstoppable where – Chris Paul is obviously the better defender and the better teammate mm-hmm. and the better passer and the better player. But him and LeBron kind of do a lot of things that would kind of cancel each other out, where Kyrie is really just this secondary scorer that LeBron needs to, you know, give him a break every now and then. I don't see it. I don't see these guys being a great fit. And again, defensively, I think that team kind of is about the same as the Cavs, if not worse, having Wade and Carmelo on the floor against Golden State. And the Cavs are a horrible defensive team. Can I make a real quick stick-up point, I guess, for Kyrie Irving? You can um, do anything you want. It's your podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, it's our podcast, honey. Um, oh, honey. So, like, the new... Like, so, Kyrie last year was killer Kyrie and big shot Kyrie, and everybody loves Kyrie. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, Cleveland's roster, Kyrie doesn't play defense, blah, blah, blah. Listen, LeBron James is wherever he plays and however he plays and for his entire career, always needed a guy that could score next to him. So that's what Kyrie's been. So, like, yeah, his defense is horrible, and it is horrible. Like, he does this thing where guys will blow by him and transition, and instead of, like, just trying to pick up the guy, he will immediately go after, like, a guard, even if it makes no sense within the transition defense. But, um... If you were to trade Kyrie, like if there was someone a different guard there, other than Kyrie, who was more balanced, it means Cleveland would have serious offensive issues. Yeah, I, I would think so too. So I, mean, like, I, again, just we, I just don't like how heavy-handed the criticisms become because a, an all-time great team is beating Cleveland. Cleveland's roster, like Cleveland's big three, is a good big three. It's just Golden State's is just that much better. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's just. Yes, it's a good team around Cleveland that would probably be able to beat anybody else uh, in the league. Right. Golden State might be the best basketball team we've ever freaking seen. Yes, they're, they're almost the dream team, Golden State. Yeah. It's like they're so very close. Like, I know they don't have the depth of the original dream team, obviously. Like, they don't have whoever come, like, coming off the bench that's a, a future Hall of Famer. But, like, there's, like, I think we're taking for – not even taking for granted. I think we're – underselling how great Golden State is and then finding a way to to over dissect Cleveland's failures. There's never there's no such thing as a perfect basketball player. I guess LeBron's the closest thing. So like yeah, Kyrie's 
horrible defensively. It doesn't mean like he's a bad player. We also do, you know, Ricky Bobby NBA analysis where if you ain't first, you're last. And if you're losing games, you're a loser. It doesn't matter who's winning. So I obviously agree with you and we shouldn't be as tough on Cleveland. Look, when Golden State wins, we're going to start having the conversation of who's the next team that's going to be able to bulk up to beat this team. That should go to show you that there isn't a team in the NBA that can come close to Golden State. You know what I mean? So I, I'm with you. I don't think we should be killing Cleveland. I think it's a nice roster around LeBron. It's just not a team that can compete with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant, and, and Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Joe agrees. No, Joe I don't. No, I do. I, 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 blah, blah, blah. I agree. Cool. Let's bring back a, uh, a segment that we haven't done in a little bit of time. Joe's got a conspiracy theory that he wants to share with you all. Hit the mu- music, Seal. The Mandela Effect. Flat Earth Truthers. Are we alone in the universe? The Relatively Speaking Podcast presents Jared Vincent Joseph Nerdon. Conspiracy Theories. It's only a conspiracy until it becomes All right, reality. so I don't know if like, the music actually goes with this, but I really want to shoehorn in Conspiracy Theories music because we never use it. So this week, Ohio State fired Thad Mata. And then, wait, do they do they fire? Him? Oh well, that, oh, that, oh well. They, the official thing is they mutually parted ways. But if you watch the press conference, that model was bawling his eyes out, and he said he kind of wants to coach another year. So yeah, it's mutual. But Gene Smith, well, yeah, but, the weird the weird thing is, the initial report wasn't that he was firing or retiring. It was that he was going to be gone after this upcoming season. And then, like an hour later, it came out. No, this is done right now. Yeah. So like for those unaware, let. However the fu- the parting of ways happened. We'll just call it a mutual parting of ways. Happened. It never happens in June. Um, Brad Stevens left Butler in July, but that was for an NBA uh, job, and he didn't get released. He left on his own free will. Um, I'll say that coaches don't get fired in June unless there's a scandal. There's no scandal here. What? So let me get, like, the quick synopsis is, today they're going to hire Chris Holtman, the Butler head coach. Um, they missed out on Archie Chandler. They missed out on Chris Mack. They missed out on Greg McDermott. They missed out on Jay Wright, Tony Bennett. Uh, at least seven. From my understanding, they missed out on about seven coaches before they they got to Chris Holman. Um, they also, I mean, you could actually argue that they should have went to Chris Holman before Greg McDermott because Chris Holman's actually the better coach, which he is. But here's where the conspiracy theory comes in. So the big pushback today is going to be about Gene Smith and Ohio State waiting until June to fire Mata and how it cost them Archie Miller, who everybody knew wanted the Ohio State job. But in March, Gene Smith gave Fat Mata the vote of confidence. Indiana's job opens up. Indiana offers the job to Archie Miller. So I wouldn't say, like, hey, you could add Archie Miller if you just fired Mata in March. So while we don't actually know why it took until June for Smith to fire Mata, and a, and a lot of it's coded in Mata's back issues and things just not working out well. Here's what I think actually happened. So here's where my conspiracy theory actually comes up. So Mata's arguably the greatest coach in Ohio State history. And Ohio State's basketball program historically is actually very good. It's probably one of the 15 best programs in the country. So season's over. Everything stinks. They missed the tournament. But he is coming up the three seasons prior. He had three 21 seasons. So it's not like the program was a dumpster fire. 
arguably the greatest coach in program history. Gene Smith's looking around. He's seen guys transferring out. He's he, The Ohio State fan base is very rabid. They know their program's supposed to be good. So they're like, we want Montagai. Smith looks around. He goes, you know what? Mata's a good guy. People do love Mata in the college basketball community. He is a very good coach. He's been having these back issues for the last year and a half. Let me give him one last chance to save his job on the recruiting trail during the early signing period. And then when that time came after March, and then May came and went after the after the NBA draft deadline, and he didn't get anybody, and he actually lost more players, I think that's when Gene Smith said, I really want to give him an exit season and then do this, the coaching process properly, the coaching hiring process properly. But let's just do this now. We're Ohio State. I can offer somebody this that model is making roughly between four to five million dollars a year. I can offer somebody three to five million dollars a year. And now reports are call, coming up that Holden is offered an eight-year deal for three million dollars. That we could still hire somebody that's very good. So that's my conspiracy theory: is that he he wanted Mata to try to save his own job on the recruiting trail. Mata failed. Um, now what's funny is people are going to kill not getting Archie Miller, even though we don't know if Archie Miller is actually better than Chris Holton. It's all a conjuncture at this point. And he wasn't wrong. He still got a name coach. Chris Holton is a name coach who was probably a season away from becoming like the it coach. He was already linked to the Indiana job earlier this offseason. He's always linked to big jobs already, only three years as the Butler head coach. So we could discuss the horrible timing of the Ohio State firing or mutual releasing of Thad Mata and missing out on Archie and Sean Miller, which weren't realistic yet, and missing out on Chris Mack, which you would think maybe they'd be able to get. But they still got a really good coach. So the timing, everything's weird about it, but it's actually worked out, I think. There you go. There's your wrap-up. I, well, I, 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 there's nothing that says Archie Miller is definitely better than Chris Holtman. Greg McDermott is not better than Chris Holtman. Um, Chris Mack, Greg Mc, uh, Chris Holtman's arguable who's better. Um, Jay Wright's not leaving Villanova. Sean Miller's not leaving Arizona. Archie Miller's not leaving Indiana. Do you know what I mean? So, like, everybody that was a realistic hire, Chris Mack, Ed Cooley's name was whispered. He wasn't leaving Providence either, though. Um, all those guys, it's actually arguable that Chris Holtman is as good a coach. Sure, yeah. Shout out to the Big East that. for having other coaches constantly rumored for other jobs, by the way. What do we think happens to Thad Mata moving forward? I think he needs to get his health right. His back is, from everything I've heard, is really awful. Like, he... He had trouble just walking for about a year and sitting upright. Um, he is a good coach. I think the back issues hurt him. I think maybe recruiting passed him by. And he, I don't want to toot my guy. Everybody knows Jeff Bowles is my guy. I think losing Jeff Bowles and Stony Brook hurt him. I think it happened overnight. I do. I think pretty much everything happened overnight. He didn't have the guys on his bench that helped him recruit the way he did. And then he just kind of lost track. And he had gone through really bad back pain. So he's not an old guy. He's not even fifty yet. He turns fifty in July. So maybe right. maybe taking, Which is incredible. I he, can't believe he was with Ohio State for thirteen years and he's still that young. So and I know he doesn't look forty nine years old. He looks like he's in his sixties. But um He looks he looks like freak show from Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah, and I mean I think some of the back issues probably explain it, but I think he needs a year off to get healthy and I think if he wants to coach again, he could coach again and have almost any job he wants because nobody's going to say, even if recruiting passed him by, um, he could get a, a, like Chris Mullen has that guy's name we can never pronounce as the head recruiter there. He could get himself a good uh, recruiter as an assistant coach. 
I still think he's probably one of the 20, 25 best coaches in the country. Yeah, I think he'll land on his feet. You know, he, he gets a little bit of credit for being kind of the first coach to land one of these major, major recruiting classes in the one-and-done era. He had the the freshman five. The fab Greg five. Oden, the fab five. Fab, the fab five. Right. I mean, I don't really Dave, feel comfortable. Daquan Cook, Greg Oden, uh, Mike Conley Jr. When he was Mike Conley Jr.? Who David Lighty stayed for like 15 years. Who's the fifth guy? Why can't I remember who the fifth guy was? Because it wasn't – I don't think he was actually a freshman. I think he was a junior college player, to be honest. Um, right, right. It was uh, Lewis, I think. I can't remember his first name. It was something with a J. Something Jake, Lewis. Jake, Jake Juan Lewis? Did I, did I already say him, though? Did you? I, I don't think – I, no, I don't remember. Said, it might not even be – Jake Cook. Daquan Cook. Okay, and then it was Jake Juan Lewis, I think. But this is like 13 years ago at this point, so I don't really remember. Bad model definitely wind up back on his feet, but we're not so sure that our next topic will. We're doing all the segments today, so Joe, let's put some poop in the basket. <laughs> Seal it, the music. Put the poop in the basket. Maybe. Like Steely Dan. Uh, Alright, so I mean, this is a topic we've kind of held off on talking about because you know our thoughts and I don't I don't know. I don't know why it's such a controversial topic, but it is. Colin Kaepernick is still without an NFL team. For whatever it's worth, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's being blackballed. We're not necessarily here to talk about that as much as we are Monday Morning Quarterbacks, which is a website, mmqb.com or whatever, it's Sports Illustrated football website blog i don't know what you want to call it that's led by peter king a couple of monday morning quarterback journalists have come out really defending colin kaepernick not being signed recently obviously we had uh albert breer a couple of weeks ago who's famous for for sticking up for the city of boston calling adam jones a racist and now earlier this week we had uh i don't know if it's benoit or benoit but we had andy i'm gonna call him benoit we had andy benoit tweeting terrible terrible things about why colin kaepernick isn't signed Ultimately, I mean, his, his really worst, the worst of the worst tweets, backups better than Kaepernick, Garoppolo, Matt Moore, Colt McCoy, A.J. McCarron, Chad Henney, Geno Smith, Drew Stanton, Brock Osweiler, Cody Kessler, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel's thrown 78 passes in his career. He kept going. He added a second tweet so he could say that Derek Anderson, Nick Foles, Brian Mallett, Matt Barkley, Landry Jones, and Matt Castle are also all better than Colin Kaepernick. Joe, Colin Kaepernick had a way better season than any of these guys last year, throwing the ball to Jeremy Curley. Why are journalists trying so hard to make sense out of Colin Kaepernick not being signed or really being blackballed by the NFL? Why are they trying so hard to say this isn't happening? I don't want to lump in all NFL writers into this, but NFL writers cover their sport far differently than any other sport, where they seem to be much more aligned with NFL values than, say, an NBA reporter is with NBA values or baseball writers are with baseball but they do so unapologetically like it would make sense if they were like yeah this is how they feel it's dumb but this is well, how they, they feel it instead they they pound the sand <laughs> and say this is why this is happening and it makes sense darn it well the thing is like so uh benoit benoit whatever wrote a column after trying to explain it but he offered no evidence other than really lazy tropes that have been proven to be false like that kaepernick isn't a traditional pocket-passing quarterback, which we all know is code, but Russell Wilson isn't a traditional pocket-passing quarterback. So, like, 
uh, we could keep. He was just throwing out really lazy cliches that are in line with historical NFL thoughts that we all know are not great because it's all code. And he actually offered no actual proof that Chad Henney is better than Colin Kaepernick because there's actually none that exists. He's right. He he, he realized that, and then he, he went on to tweet that Kaepernick has a strong arm, but it's not an elite arm. He went on to say that, yeah, Chad Henney, et cetera, et cetera, aren't better quarterbacks than Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick, or they're not better players, but they're better quarterbacks. And he's like, those two things are different. And I'm like, meh. So it's just, I don't have an answer for you as to why necessarily they're not just going like, yeah, this is weird. Like everybody else's that one of the 30-ish best quarterbacks in the NFL can't even get a backup job. He's, it's always, well, he, he's asking for this without us anybody knowing what he's asking for. Or it's a distraction, even though he hasn't been the distraction of all this last season. And then it's this weird thing where we're going to keep moving the goalposts. Now it's, well, we need to hear from Colin and how much he wants. Well, why? Do, why? No athlete has ever had to go out and be like, I'm asking for, because it hurts him in the bargain. It hurts him on the bargaining table to say, oh, I only, I'm only asking for a backup job in $2 million a year. That hurts him. If that's what he's going to, like, he can't go out and publicly say, I'm willing to work for this little amount of money. You know what I mean? Like it hurts his value on the market. So my answer would be something nefarious. But I, I don't want to make that leap because I don't want to I don't want to put a blanket over every NFL writer ever. Um, it does seem to come heavy from Monday morning quarterback though that they take this really hard stance in this weird sand, you know. The guy went out and said no difference between Kaepernick not finding NFL work and his political opposite Tebow not finding work. I mean, Kaepernick yeah, went to a Super Bowl. <laughs> He led a team to a Super Bowl. He was an incredible quarterback for that team. And he was great. He was listen. He wasn't like his numbers were better than what he actually was last year, but he was still good last year. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. He wasn't bad. And the other thing that I hate, I hate that they did the whole. He's not a traditional quarterback, and you know, you want a pocket passer to be your backup quarterback. Except, how frequently do we see a quarterback get hurt, and then you get one of these guys who who runs with the ball more come in, and teams just haven't game plan for him, so they have success. I mean, that, that's the story of Tim Tebow's success is that teams weren't prepared for him to run all over them. That's, Aaron, so that's, that's how Aaron Brooks made his money with the Saints. Right. I mean, it's just it's been done in the past. I don't know why we're looking for so many excuses to just not say that this guy's being blackballed by the NFL. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, I guess I guess the money comes from the NFL owners and we're trying to protect them and make them look better. But we know what's going on here. It's, it's so obvious what's happening here. And to try and say he's just not good enough, it just stinks. It, it freaking stinks. 90 guys, 96 guys in the NFL are, are assigned to be quarterbacks. Colin Kaepernick cannot be one of them. Now, there's you can, now you can, there's actually, like, if there was, there's an argument to be made that it's not true blackball in the sense that every team's blackball. Because you could make the argument that 15 teams don't need Colin Kaepernick. And then, like, another five teams run a system which he doesn't fit. But that still leaves, like, 10-ish teams where... You're like Cleveland. Seriously? You know what I mean? They signed Robert Griffin for last year thinking maybe he could be good. Exactly. That's what I'm and saying. Like there's, there's, teams, there's teams like that. Or, Colin Kaepernick. Or I know your Jets have 95 quarterbacks on the roster now. But Kaepernick's theoretically better than all of them. Um, and you could keep going. Like, And then, like, just to be a backup. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're telling me you wouldn't want, even if he's asking for a couple million dollars, you wouldn't want a guy that has a ton of experience under his belt, that's still young, that can still make plays, to be your backup quarterback. 
It just makes no sense. Like, hey, like Pete Carroll did the whole PR thing. Well, he's too good to be a backup here, which is baloney. It's right. it's all a PR move to make him not seem like he's evil, which makes me wonder why they brought him in the first place. My my, it's not it's a conspiracy theory. So, uh, is the NFL asking to bring him in for the workout so they can say, yeah, teams are working or meeting with him. Feasibly. But, but uh, there's no reason. There's no logical reason. There's not. Like, you can try out Chad Henney and Brock Osweiler and Drew Stanton. <laughs> like, seriously, Drew Stanton. Um, Drew Stanton, who's had, like, a 41% completion percentage, filling in in the Arizona Cardinals offense, which is the best offense in the NFL when Carson Palmer is healthy. Yeah, so you can keep trotting those guys all you want. It, But, like, there's a reason why there's never numbers attached to those or there's never anything other than cliches and tropes attached to those because there's actually nothing to prove that because it's not real. There's not. There's nothing that says those guys are better than them. Because it's not real. It's a lie. It's fake. It's a. Uh, it's fake news. It is definitely fake news. All right, Joe. Let's end our show with some AMAs. Seal. Once again, you KG mother lover. Hit the music. We've done all of it. We really did all the segments today. He's clutch. Seal's clutch. He's coming in clutch. Wait till he starts asking for royalties. It's going to be bad. I think we should stop using his name altogether. It's a different seal. We're talking about a different seal. We're talking like the seal. Like the the seal on your gasket ring in your toilet. Totally that. All right, Joe. I guess I'm going to read these questions. Sure. Starting starting with at Whammy Giveaway. My (laughs) buddy Alfredo Rodriguez, who hosts the... The Whammy uh, radio show. Give him a follow. Listen to his podcast. He's a fun dude. Looks at basketball a little bit differently. His question, could losing to the Dubs in the finals influence LeBron to leave Cleveland again? Joseph, what do you think? Well, not this year because he's under contract for another. Um, So it wouldn't be this last that does it. It will probably be next year if he's influenced at all to leave. Because Golden State might look differently in a year's time. So Right. I'm going to say no. It's not the, the loss here is going to be what influences influences him. It'll be what happens next year. For sure. I I agree with that. Well, I think that's very well said. I mean, it's also just I don't I think he's staying in Cleveland. I can't imagine he's ever going to leave. I think if there ever was a guy like who would be like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go to the Knicks for a year and the Lakers for a year. I'm going to get around and just, you know, kind of see the country or whatever." <laughs> every team every team always wants to sign me, you know, it it should be LeBron. Still, I, I don't really see that happening. So uh, it'll be, yeah. ne- and if anything does, it'll be next year. It won't be this year because he sells the under his belt. For sure, for sure. All right, Joe. What's our next question? I don't know. You have all the questions. <laughs> oh, I I emailed them to you. Oh, all right, no, I know. I'll pull it. I'm, no, no, I'm re- no, no, no. It's fine. I'm reading all the questions. Next question. I'm going out of order from what I sent you. Question is from at Grab the Points. What's the one off-season move that could stop Cavs Warriors meeting a fourth straight year? Is CP3 to the Spurs our only hope? Well, I told you, we've discussed this at nausea at this point. Chris Paul going to the Spurs is a worse team than Chris Paul and the Clippers. Um, I truly believe that. I've said it about a thousand times on this podcast. So is there a move? Um, a realistic one? No. I think if there's a move, it's somebody in the Eastern Conference, and I think it's a major player from the West coming East, or, you know, again, one of Jimmy Butler, Paul George, if not both of them going to, you know, Washington or Boston or Toronto. But that's not realistic. 
then there is nothing realistic that could happen. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I, like, do, do you think any of those things would actually happen? No, I, I don't. I don't, but at the same time, I mean, something has to happen to change the landscape of the NBA. I don't know how the whole league can accept for a fourth straight year there clearly being two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else. And listen, the Spurs obviously have been competing, and they've had great records. You know, Houston, after looking at what they did this year, it's feasible they could be better next year or that they keep, you know, trucking along. Out east, though, I don't know that any of these teams are, are, you know, on their way to getting close to Cleveland. So if nothing happens, if nothing big happens, we're looking at a fourth straight year of these two teams really dominating their conferences. So, I mean, that's the only reason to think that maybe something could happen, but I, you know, you don't know until it happens. And looking at who prospective free agents are, I can't really see Chris Paul going to any of these teams in the east that are going to compete with Cleveland. And again, if he goes somewhere else out west, if he goes to the Spurs, we don't know that they're better than the Clippers, so they're probably not better than Golden State. Yeah, I, I, I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything. It would need to be somebody coming east, though, if it happens. I concur. All right. Our last question from at Keith Kill. Oh, at man. Keith Kill asks, in your eyes, does Nilakina have star upside? Also, any guys in particular you'd like to see scooped second round for New York for the Knicks? Um, I got to be honest. I haven't devoured a ton of his film. Um, this is the first year, and I'm actually very grateful this, that I haven't YouTube foreign players and watched their games. So I actually have no opinion. I know people are really like his game. I have no firsthand knowledge of it. That is fair. Uh, I've watched highlights here and there, and that's kind of, I'm with you in saying I can't call it. You know, there have been other guys in the past who I've gotten to watch highlights of and been like, I see star potential. I think with Nilakina, he obviously is so young, he hasn't really played the point guard as much, and I think if the Knicks were to draft him, they'd want him to play point guard. I don't know, though. I never know with these guys, and I think it's so hard to predict foreign players being superstars just because we don't see them play as much and sure they play against adults and their competition is relatively as hard as college basketball players competition if not harder I just never know you never know with these guys I mean if Ricky Rubio Ricky Rubio is like the most hyped ever foreign prospect if he couldn't come over and be a superstar with everything he had going for him I don't know that Nil Aquina can Uh, I mean like we talk about Luka Doncic a lot I hope I said his name right I don't even know if he could be a superstar, and I saw somebody call him the second-best prospect in NBA history after LeBron James. You just, you never know with these guys, so I don't want to come on the record and say, no, the guy's going to be terrible, or yeah, he's going to be great. We just haven't seen enough out of him. Totally agree. Now, for the second part of the question, I have a ton of guys. Now, I also think the Knicks should try to get Malik Monk in the first round, right? I think, I get it. He's not great defensively. There's questions about if he could create his own offense. He is... One of the greatest shooters I've seen in my life. I know that's hyperbole, but I mean it. I really do. He's one of the greatest shooters I've ever seen in my life. So I think you, they'd love him if he was available at eight. So do I. And I think that's who they should get. So now second round, you're not drafting like, oh, no, we're going to draft another two guard. We already got Monk. You're going to draft who you think's best. I have a bunch of guys, though, I think they should they should look at. If Alec Peters is still around, um, the Valparaiso forward, he's like 6'9", 6'10". Um, He's going to be a tremendous stretch for in the NBA. He's not a starter, okay? And, but he shoot, he's a 40% shooter from three. He could be a really solid stretch four off the bench. I also think they could they could target Edmund Sumner, who would have been a lottery pick if he didn't get hurt. He's a point guard. He's 6'5", 6'6". Um, he got hurt. It really hurt his draft prospects. He would have been a lottery pick. 
that would be like a value pick. You're taking a huge risk because he might not work out at all. Then other guys I would I would target is Sterling Brown, SMU shooting guard, Frank Mason, Kansas point guard. And I don't know why his draft stock has fell so dramatically because I thought he was a first-round grade. P.J. Dozier from South Carolina, 6'6", two-guard, uh, not even 21 years old yet. He has high upside. Where do you put Josh Hart in this conversation? Because he's a guy who I'm kind of high on, too, along with some of the guys that you just mentioned. Okay, so, like, I don't hate Josh Hart, okay? And I don't want to be that guy that uses age against him because he's, he's over 22 already. Um, I don't know because he's a two-guard in the NBA. I just don't know if he's explosive enough. Like, And I know I just question Monk's ability to create for himself, but Monk's an elite-level shooter. I don't think Hart is above average in enough things to succeed in the NBA. You think Frank Mason can create for himself, but hard? I mean, well, I think I, Fra- I, th- I think Frank Mason has higher upside than Josh. Jo- I think Josh Hart, whatever he is next year in the NBA, if he's not in the NBA or not in the G League, whatever he is now is what he's going to be for the rest of his career. I don't think like he'll make some improvement, but he's not going to. There's no like future giant hopes that he could be something where, even though Edmund Sumner is only a year younger and. Uh, like I mentioned Alec Peters before, who's almost the same age. Those guys do things where you could project into more greatness, or goodness, I guess, because I don't, none of these guys are going to be great players. They're not going to be all-stars. But they project more easily into the NBA and more easily into developing things where they could have an impact. Um, and I think the same with Frank Jackson than I do as opposed to Josh Hart. Frank Jackson, interesting. I wouldn't do I, be too I, upset. But I do think that now there's guys that they should stay away. I think they should stay away from Caleb Swanigan. Swanigan. Sure. Uh, who I think is trying to figure out a way to make himself a small forward in the NBA. I don't know if you've seen him. He's lost a ton of weight. Yep. Um, stay away from Kuzma. I'm basically telling him to stay away from bigs that we aren't sure, sure if they could shoot yet. Um, man, but like like the Dozier thing, Dozier and Sumner, those are huge flyers you're taking on those guys if you're going with them, but they both have tremendous upside. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I would think the Knicks would be looking at a big. I don't know that there's going to be any bigs left in the draft at this point. I mean, they pick in this, the middle of the second round, and I think looking at most projections, you're mainly seeing a lot of international guys and a lot of guards and wings going around there. I mean, they might have their chance at one of the Oregon guys if they're available with, with Tyler Dorsey and with, uh, with I'm sorry, I'm Dylan, on, Dylan uh, Brooks. With, and Dylan Brooks. I mean, those guys will probably still be on the board. I don't hate the idea of Alec Peters. He, he's a little undersized. Jordan Bell might still be available, although I could see him He's kind sneaking of, in the first now, they're I saying. I was going to say, I could see him being somebody that sneaks up into the first round. Same for Tony Bradley, who you know doesn't have a lot of skill, but I think is so raw and athletic. I'd love to take a flyer on him if I'm the Knicks. They, they've been working out guards, though. They've been working out a Jaron Blossom game. I keep seeing attached to them. I'm trying to think who else. Well, Blossom, Blossom game projects to be a very small power forward in the NBA. Right, right. He's, he, I don't know if he's a wing, though, if he, he'll be a wing for them. I, I don't know. You know, somebody to keep. I, I, I'm like, I listen. This is, I've, t- I've talked to you about this a ton. I love this draft so much. Like, I see so much value in the second round. Where like, there's a Dwayne Bacon from Florida State, who's an undersized small forward, right. who I think could be like a impacting player off the bench one day in the NBA, like a, a bucket maker. Like, he's not going to. He's all be solid defensively. He'll not be able to rebound. Uh, he won't create for others. But he could throw you, like, seven quick points in, like, three minutes. Do you know what I mean? So, like, sure. like all these guys you usually talk about in the second round, you're like, will they even make the roster? And I think there's a lot of these guys that will not only make the roster, but they could actually see 10, 10 minutes a game their rookie year, which is actually a ton for a second-round player. 
And I don't think you don't draft for fit. And I don't know enough about the foreign born players. Like you guys, like if you if you're looking for point guards, project point guards that you think you can project, like an Edmund Summer works. And then like if you're thinking like I know they already have what's his name, uh, the kid from Wichita State there. Um, but if you want someone similar ish to him who might be a better bucket maker, you can go Nigel Williams Goss from Gonzaga. Right. Yeah, they, and that that's one of the guys. Kobe Kobe Simmons from Arizona. Who's right? Who's like two Derek, years about, two years away? Though. He's how like about Derek years. White? How do you feel about Derek White? Um, I know people love him. Um, I'm not. I'm not sold. <laughs> I'm not. I, I know yeah. he's like the guy now. Everybody, all the other draft experts love. He's everybody's dude, and he has. A, he does have a tremendous backstory. So I don't want to. I understand it. I feel like it's a. It's the second round version of what happened when we did with Thomas Robinson coming out of Kansas, where we fell in love with the backstory so much. That we're overlooking flaws. Feasibly, feasibly. All right, we'll we'll definitely be talking more draft over the next you know week or two. It's my, are... it's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. With thirteen days away, I too love the draft, and we'll definitely do some more coverage of that. But I think that's all we have for today. Before we sign off, I want to give a shout out to a friend of the podcast, Josh Everly. He started up a big three podcast, which is right up our alley. Him and uh, Oliver Maroney are doing that together, so you can check them out. They're on SoundCloud, I think, doing a big three podcast. They had Ricky Davis on their first episode, so go check that out. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at jmintshoops. Catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. Joseph, tell the people where they can find you. On Twitter at Joseph Nerdong, N-A-R-D-O-N-E, also at fanragsports.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets. But not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad world.